You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook or Instagram. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows Trio programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former Trio staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with Trio. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Emilia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In this episode, we have Lauren C. Snedos, who is the director for the Prosperity Denver Fund. She's on the podcast to talk about her trio experience, what it was like going to college, her educational journey, and what led to her career at the Prosperity Denver Fund. So again, coming up in just a bit, Lauren Cisneros. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Head on over to Patreon, search for Let's Talk Trio. You can start your patron membership at as low as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you are a business or would like to advertise on our podcast, you can go again to Patreon. Go all the way to the bottom uh, section of our membership level. And there you'll find our corporate membership. For $100 a month, you can advertise on this podcast. Contact us for details. If you know an alumni, a participant, a staff, or would like to nominate someone to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast, nominate them by emailing us at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. A great episode coming up with Lauren Cisneros who is a TRIO alum and current director of the Prosperity Denver Fund. It was such a great uh, moment to listen to Lauren's story and to hear about her upbringing, hear about her educational journey and, uh, you know, her experiences in college uh, and the career paths that she took to get to this point. So I think that you, our listeners, are in for a great treat. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Five, four, three, two, one. 
Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast graduated with her bachelor's in business and management from Colorado State University Pueblo and obtained her master's in education with an emphasis in organizational performance from Colorado State University. She previously served as a former pre-college advisor and supervisor to college to college counselors for Gear Up Colorado. She currently serves as the director of programs for the Prosperity Denver Fund and is responsible for developing and implementing the fund's outreach program services. She is a Colorado native, born and raised in the San Luis Valley. She has lived in Denver metro area for the last 19 years and has focused her work on higher education and nonprofit management. She also sits on the board of directors for the Community Foundation of San Luis Valley. When she isn't working, she can be found exploring the great outdoors and spending time with her family. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren Cisneros. Hi, Lauren. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you agreeing to be on this podcast. We totally, totally looking forward to what you have to say. Well, I appreciate it. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. I just think it's great work and I love um, trio programs. So I wanted to be a part of it. Fantastic. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, How are things in Denver? Denver is good. Denver is busy as usual. Um, The weather today was nice, but supposedly we're going to get some snow this evening into early morning tomorrow. So I'm sure that'll make for a hectic drive-in for those who who need to commute to their workplace. Absolutely. So we're recording on the day that we just got the notification. I got the notification this morning about a heavy snowstorm here in Fort Collins. And it's supposed to be rolling through tonight on through tomorrow. And my kids already got a two-hour delay. Nice. I bet they were excited about that. <laughs> oh, they're very excited. They're super excited. Um, no, no, no two hour delay on your ends or no. Uh... Not that I've heard. I don't know. The last time my kids got one, they sent it like 930 at night. So hopefully that's that's not the case. And we get an early warning. But um, maybe you're going to get hit a little bit harder than Denver. That's what I hear. So I, we're expecting with six inches. I don't know what uh, what's the prop forecast out there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the. Um, what the inches forecast is, but I'm assuming it'll just require some shoveling tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. A little bit of workout. Yeah. Uh, so, Lauren, we are recording this episode weeks after the most recent election. I think this election season was very tense, to say the very least. Uh, how did you manage to get through it, especially with like news just kind of 24 7? Yeah, I feel like um, you hit the nail on the head. Like, there's so much news. And I think nowadays we get news from some, so many different venues that I think it can be hard to, you know, have reliable news uh, sources and, you know, really understand what's going on. But, um, I feel like for me, just keeping, um, tabs of current news stations, really trying to figure out, um, I guess, worthy or reliable sources was important to me, but, you know, I'm, I get tired of the ads and the, commercials towards the end of the election season and they can start get annoying but um (laughs) I feel like for all the issues whether it be you know a person on um running for election or ballot initiatives that we're voting for I I think it's really important to um just keep an open mind because you know there there's two two sides to every issue um I really trust like the blue book and things that come from nonpartisan type staffs that um, are written to help me figure out what are the pros and the cons of an issue um, so I can feel informed. Um, But I also feel like, you know, the elections lately for the last couple of years, I feel like there's, it it creates a lot of divide, you know, amongst families and 
at the works workspace. Um, so again, keeping um, a sense of being neutral and really trying to have an open mind and understand another side of an issue, I think is important um, around elections, election season, uh, you know, just, just so that way we're not um, going too far down one path and ignoring information that might be worthy of, of knowing. Um, so yeah, really, really trying to figure out where to get the news is, is important. Absolutely agreed. I think so me being personally being a news hound, I tend to absorb a lot of news sources and a variety of sources. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you cipher through some uh, what you feel to be reputable sources. Um, how do you engage in that type of information or, or what do you seek or what is it something that uh, that's in your um, in your list of like, this is responsible journalism type thing? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, depending on what I'm looking at, whether it be a national state or local type issues. Um, you know, I think Denver, for example, has some really um, good news sources, Chalkbeat, um, you know, there's, there's different education related, but I, I feel like if I, if I stay to on the local level to sources like that, but then on the national level, it's interesting, right? Because you can listen to CNN and then you can listen to Fox um, and get to- two totally different perspectives. Um, so what I'd like mm-hmm. to do is listen to both, <laughs> to hear both of the perspectives. I also think like our social media channels, depending on who we're following and, um, you know, what kind of things we're liking, that's going to be the type of source of information that's that's given to us. Um, so I th- also think it's important to, to like um, a variety of different sources. So again, that you're getting two sides of the issue and understanding different perspectives. But um, yeah, I mean, again, we have so many ways of getting news to us that it can be challenging. And I, I think for, um, for our youth too, I, I think oh, that sure. kids nowadays are getting you know, news on TikTok and maybe sometimes oh the source isn't, <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe the source isn't always accurate. And um, so I think we just live in, live in a different day and age where um, it's nice that we have all these access to instant information, but I think it also can create some chaos and unpredictability about what's um, reliable. Absolutely. Shifting away from that, I think, uh, so earlier I had mentioned in your introduction that you like to explore the outdoors. How did that hobby start for you? Well, um, I come from the San Luis Valley, and so it's very rural there. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of the things we do um, for fun involve the outdoors, whether it be um, hiking, ATVing, you know, uh, hunting, lots of different um, camping if everybody kind of spends their times outdoors because there's not the conveniences of the city um, to do things that maybe more city folks would do. So I, I still appreciate outdoors to this day, even living in Denver. I feel like we spend our summer and weekends trying to sometimes get away from the hustle and bustle and go back to what, what I would consider as more of my roots. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I really find most peace in outdoor spaces and nature. Um, and, you know, I've tried to teach that to my children as well, because, um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess who I am and I get a lot of energy from it. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, tell us a little bit about your upcoming holidays plans. You said summer is typically very, the city's busy. So you take, try to go outdoors a little bit more often, but what about kind of the opposite of that when it's fall winter? Yeah, I would say, um, fall winter, definitely more indoors, but, um, we try to go back to the San Luis Valley quite a bit. So for this last week for Thanksgiving, we actually spent the week there with family. 
um, which is really nice. And then for Christmas, we typically um, stay in their Denver metro area and try to, you know, we tried to start our own tradition here with our, with our close immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we try to do that, but you know, my, my son is involved in sports and it starts oh, right, right around now. He's a wrestler. Um, so wrestling season started last week. And so um, I feel like I spend, you know, November to, to mid February um, really involved in uh, wrestling tournaments and supporting his efforts there. Wow. Wow. Um, so thank you again for sharing us a little bit about yourself, but we're going to rewind the clock just a bit uh, because we want to get to know you as a uh, one, right? Uh, the, the podcast being Let's Talk Trio. So we want to know a little bit about you and your upbringing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, again, born and raised in the San Luis Valley. Uh, my family's from San Luis, Colorado, which is the oldest town in Colorado. Um, I was raised with my uh, full-blooded blooded brother. I have some other half-siblings, but uh, my brother and I were raised together by our parents until I was about 14. Um, and then when I was 14, my parents split. And I briefly went with my mom, who is from New Jersey, the East Coast, because um, oh, wow. she decided to relocate back there. So I I did attempt to go with her and live in New Jersey, which was a really big culture shock coming from mm-hmm. the San Luis Valley. So yeah. um, that was short-lived. And I ended up moving back with my um, father and his parents, my grandparents. And so um, in my high school years were spent with them. Um, And so, um, you know, it's a small community. I have 26 kids in my graduating senior class. Um, My grandparents owned a family restaurant. And so Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of time working in the restaurant, waitressing, um, and, and yeah, my, I'm biracial. So my mom is, um, Russian Jew, um, from New Jersey. And my father is, you know, his, he can trace his roots back, um, to the San Luis Valley for generations. Um, and so, uh, that was an interesting dynamic growing up to being, um, biracial and, um, you know, there's some adversity and challenges that come with that too. Absolutely. Um, what are some of your favorite memories growing up? You know, I'll go back to the outdoors, being being outdoors. I think being raised in a small community um, definitely has its um, its positives. And, you know, because we were raised in a family business, again, we, we were always surrounded by family in the kitchen, in the restaurant. Um, we had birthday parties there. Um, it was a really um, good experience because I felt like um, being raised by my grandparents when I was in high school, they were in their mid eighties. Um, they really taught me some old school values, work ethic mm-hmm. and, um, you know, cultural traditions that, that I really am proud of and that I try to pass along, um, to my family too. Right on. Uh, so you being an outdoorsy person, I am, I'm almost tempted to ask not more, much or more about the TV stuff. Cause TV must've not, uh, caught your attention as much. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't, I feel like I was just so busy that maybe I didn't get to watch <laughs> that much TV. Um, and maybe when I did, it was like grandma or grandpa watching the news or gotcha. whatever it is that they put on the channel. But yeah, my days were, were full growing up, whether it be at school or waitressing or extracurricular activities. So what was some of the entertainment stuff like music that you really gravitated toward when you were working or when you were super busy? Well, I mean, um, 
that would be, you know, 90s. So some Tupac was really popular then. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely Selena was really popular, obviously, back then, too. Mm-hmm. I think when I was young, she performed at the State Fair in Pueblo. Um, so she started getting really popular. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, and you know, in that part of the state, New Mexico um, influence is also very big on that part of Colorado. So, you know, some New Mexican music was always um, part of our culture too. And my family listened to oldies and mm-hmm. um, Spanish music. So I think I got a, you know, and then there was a, a countryside as well. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we have a lot of country music that we listen to too. So yeah, definitely music. The radio was always on if it wasn't, you know, in the car playing a CD um, or at the restaurant, there was always some music going on. Right on. Uh, do you remember how you felt about going to school? I know you said you had you you had a a temp stop in New Jersey, then came back to Colorado. Uh, what was that like? In, in I guess a, a few words or more, uh, what was that experience like for you? I, you know, I always really liked school, um, and I think that's because even as a young girl, I have this competitive competitive nature about myself. So whether it was like trying to be the first or the fastest at multiplication. Um, you know, tables or what have you. Mm-hmm. I always felt like it was exciting to me to get a good grade um, and to maybe become my own competitor <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like school, I never disliked school. I always liked okay. um, being around friends and participating in learning. And so I feel like that has followed me. I would consider myself a lifelong learner. I'm always interested in learning more. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to go off the script a little bit. Is what motivated that, or where where did that internal uh, motivation to be a lifelong learner come from? That's a really good question. You know, I feel like um, so. My mom, um, she was the first in our families to go to college, both on her side and my dad's side. Um, so as a little girl, I saw her in college, um, and I saw her graduate college, and I feel like. Um, the conversation about education was always there. And it was interesting because of the family business dynamic. I feel like some family members would question, you know, you're going to suck. You're not being with your kids or you could be working here and you're going to school. And, um, but seeing my mom kind of persevere through, through that and, and also seeing her be successful when getting jobs and Mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. I feel like um, I wanted to be (laughs) like my mom in some sense. All right. Awesome. I like that answer. Uh, <laughs> did you have a favorite teacher or class that you really gravitated toward? Um, I I used to really like math. Um, and then when I got to college, I feel like that changed. In high school, I liked math. And I think that there's mm-hmm. some benefits of, again, being from a small town, a small community. Our class sizes were really small. And so I was in advanced math, but there were only three other kids in the class. And so, you know, our teacher could give us one-on-one attention. So it was a real benefit. And I felt really supported in, in that, in that class. Um, but I'd also say that when it comes to my favorite, favorite teacher, it's such a hard question. Cause I feel like I came across so many different positive teachers and that were really big influences on my life. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. Cause I don't know that everybody could, could say the same, but I started thinking in my head, who's rises to the top. And there's just so many teachers that were good to me that really pushed me that um, I can't come. I, one person doesn't come to mind, but um, you know, in my participation in upward bound, we had a college K 
counselor or upward bound counselor. Um, his name was Kirk and he had, to me, he had the best job. He got to travel around the San Luis Valley and work with um, upward bound students and his um, way of pushing us and uh -huh. motivating us was just so great that um, when people asked me what I wanted to do when I got out of college, I said, I wanted to be Kirk. I wanted to be, <laughs> I wanted that job. And so um, I feel like he, he really helped. I don't know something, something about the way he interacted with students and, and really pushed us was um, inspiring. Awesome. So you were also a trio alum. That's right. So That's awesome. um, yeah, Upward Bound um, through high school, you know, Upward Bound, you can get accepted two different ways. You know, you're either low income or you're first generation. So I didn't meet right. the first, genera first generation because my mom had gone to college, but I met the low income um, status. And so I was really fortunate to get into Upward Bound. Mm -hmm. um, we got to spend our summers, you know, six weeks in the summertime at Adams State University. I think it was college at the time, Adams State College. Mm -hmm. um, in the dorms, taking classes. Um, and it was really just a really cool experience. They would take us to the city, expose us to really cool things, maybe some fun. Illiches was probably in there. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool experience. And then when I went to CSU Pueblo, they had a student support services program. Um, and because I was an Upward Bound alum, it made it a lot of sense for me to be uh, referred to student support services. And so wow. I participated in that program throughout my undergrad. And in the meantime, as, as I was doing that, um, I was hired by Upward Bound Pueblo, CSU Pueblo, um, to be their administrative assistant. And I also got to tutor um, high school students that participated in their Upward Bound in math. So um, TRIO became my community, I would say, in um, college because uh, you know, I think a couple of things, I came from a small community. So it felt, right. I, I think I needed that, that community support. And they, and the fact that they became family, they supported me through so much. Um, I had my first child in college. And so um, they upward bound and student support services threw me a baby shower. I mean, it couldn't get any more wow. supportive yeah. than, than it was. And um, yeah, they really just helped me. Awesome. So I, I like how you're describing the trio programs as uh, almost family oriented, right? Like this very family close dynamic. Uh, how important is education to your family? Obviously, with your mom getting her degree, super important. But for the rest of your family, how did they feel about you wanting to obtain an education? Yeah, I think that because my mom led the way, uh, my dad's side of the family really saw the importance of education. Um, you know, and it's challenging because then I think small communities you want your youth to be educated and go off and, but there's also this fear of them not coming back, um, mm -hmm. going away. And so I feel like there was, um, you know, a little bit of, of that, that went on, but I think my mom ingrained it in my head about education. It was just kind of like an expectation that I was going to go. Um, I would say for my brother too. Um, but what's really cool is that my husband, he, um, happens to be my high school sweetheart. And he also participated in Upward Bound. Oh, how neat. Um, yeah. So we're both Upward Bound <laughs> alums and he also went on to get his higher education. And we believe that, you know, Upward Bound was like the key, one of the keys and probably the key for him, but for me, cause I had my mom too, but a, a definitely um, dynamic force in pushing us to go to college and getting through. Um, and now we've just become like, advocates about 
higher education. And I know that we live in a time now that's difficult because, you know, there's a lot of sources that might say you don't need a college education. Oh, sure, sure. Right. So there's, there's probably some, I'm sure there's pushback then, but I guess I didn't feel it as much. And I I think I hear it more, more now, but um, I just like the experiences that you gain by going to college are just so great. Um, And, you know, my driving force, they used to say, if you go to college, you'll get, you'll earn a million dollars more over your lifetime. And that was enough for me (laughs) to want to go to college. And also I had, was a waitress um, and worked really hard in a restaurant. And so Mm -hmm. to me, my education was going to get me um, out of that situation and more. And so um, we like to really encourage people to open their minds to, to higher ed, because I feel like we're both living proof of um, the successes that it's brought. I love that. Thank you so much again for sharing that. I think it's really important for our audience to hear uh, the trio background that you have and then going into higher education and just sort of your journey, which we'll get to here in just a bit about kind of that uh, getting into college and and having to experience that. But uh, as you're making your journey through elementary and uh, middle school, can you give us a summary of like middle school, the highs and lows that you experienced there? Yeah. I mean, I feel like middle school is just some, you know, an awkward time for for, (laughs) (laughs) uh, a lot of folks. (laughs) Um, I can go back and look at, you know, my youth pictures and I would say, you know, sixth, seventh grade uh, was definitely awkward, Lauren. Um, But I'm sure that I share that experience (laughs) with other people as well in middle school. But, um, you know, middle school was, I think, a time of trying to figure out who you are, um, I feel like for, for a lot of kids too, is middle school is when you see your parents a little bit differently. Um, you yeah, know, definitely. not as these perfect people, but as just human beings trying to figure out their lives too. Um, so I feel like there was just a lot of shaping that went on in my, my middle school years. Um, yeah. So um, maybe challenging, but um, shaping and important. Absolutely. Uh, High school can usually be a very daunting transition. What were your feelings toward high school? You know, again, I think because I liked school um, and I liked the social aspect of it. High school was was a lot of fun for me. Um, I had so much fun in high school. I was so busy again, like whether it be with, um, you know, working on the side or just going to school. But I participated in a lot of activities. I did FBLA. I was a cheerleader. I did volleyball. Um, I think again, it was a benefit to be in a small school because, you know, they, it didn't matter if you were good or not. They just needed people to make a team. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I may not have been very good at volleyball, but I was able to play volleyball where, Mm -hmm. you know, I know for big, bigger schools, you know, kids get cut and things of that nature that didn't really happen, um, where I came from. So I felt, um, you know, fortunate because I got to have these experiences that um, maybe other other kids in bigger cities with more competition may have not have had. But I think, you know, I assume you got better, right? Like you, when you joined a sport, <laughs> you you got pretty good at it over time, even though yeah. you felt like you weren't all that good, but I feel like you got better over time. <laughs> I got better. Maybe just, I was not a, maybe my coordination wasn't the best for volleyball to begin with, but um, definitely appreciated like team spirit and, you know. <laughs> Thank you again for, for sharing that. Um, so you mentioned that you joined the TRIO Upward Bound program. Can you give us a little summary of how did you find out about TRIO and how did you join? 
Yeah. So um, I joined when I was in 10th grade and that was right around the 10th transition when I moved back from New Jersey um, and went to um, Centennial High School in San Luis. And so I was new to that school because prior to that, I was in Alamosa, which was a bigger high school. Um, Mm -hmm. But some of my friends were actually in Upward Bound and I think there was limited spots and they said, you should apply. Come on. It's usually at that point, it's like, you want to do what your friends are doing. But I, but I knew that the fact that it was related to college was already a driving force for me to to join. Cause again, education had kind of already been um, swirling around and, you know, pushed upon us. Um, so yeah, I joined and loved it. I wish I would have been there in my freshman year because I felt like I missed out on some of the bonding that went on, but um, yeah, it was a great experience. And again, in our upward bound, it was, kids from all over the valley. So the different school districts. So um, not only like we got to know additional people, it wasn't just kids from our high school, um, which I think was really impactful too, because um, maybe it bridged the gap sometimes in those smaller communities, there's rivalries between those little towns. And so that um, was a way to, to get rid of some of those rivalries and make some bonds with people that are very similar to ourselves. Absolutely. At this point of your educational journey, were you thinking about college? Yes. And that's again, because I feel like my um, mom had kind of ingrained it in me um, that that was, you know, part of my plan (laughs) or part of the plan she had for me. Um, So, yeah, I knew I wanted to go to college and I knew that in order for me to um, kind of grow and get out of my little community and not that I wanted to get out and run away forever, but it was more that I knew I needed to get out and experience um, other things and learn and get an education. Absolutely. What colleges were you considering? You know, so Kirk, the college, um, upward bound college counselor, he really did a great job about having us keep our options open. And so I think I applied to almost all the state colleges. Oh, wow. Um, I knew, I knew enough not to, to apply out of state because I knew the difference in the price tag right, um, right. that would go on. And so I really focused on CSU, Fort Collins, um, CU Boulder, um, kind of just all the different institutions. And, and luckily enough, I was a good student and I got um, I got a good ACT score um, oh, that good. I was accepted to, to all the colleges. And the fact that um, you know, at, around this time is when uh, my dad was actually incarcerated around this time. And so I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's OK. And he's 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 back now. But during my pre um you know, senior into college years, he was incarcerated. And so that meant that my financial situation was even more difficult. Um, but that meant that I had a lot of um, eligibility for financial aid. Mm-hmm. So I had really good packages at, at a lot of different schools. And I feel like Kirk, um, who was always pushing me to stretch myself, um, didn't maybe, he, he really would have liked to see me probably like at CU Boulder or uh, somewhere big, but, you know, I chose CSU Pueblo because it was close enough to home, but far enough away from home. And to be honest, my best friend was going to CSU Pueblo as well. And so okay. she was also an upward bound and uh, we got to be roommates. And so that was probably um, another driving force of me <laughs> picking CSU Pueblo. <laughs> awesome. I like how I, I sense a theme with all these uh, episodes that we've recorded so far that, uh, 
that friends or family tend to play an influence on the direction where we go to college. Um, and it just, it's just wonderful. Or even uh, the, the sponsoring college sometimes that has the upper bound program, how they kind of not, not to say they directly funnel because they don't do that, but they play an influence on where you end up going usually. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's their influence is important because they probably worked with students like me before, mm-hmm, like right. other students. And so um, they might know some information about, you know, the fit, the culture that might be a good fit for a student or not. So I think, um, yeah, they probably don't intend to influence, but maybe they can't can't help themselves with all that they know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you talk about Kirk and your uh, upper bound uh, counselor. Uh, I just wanted to quickly ask you about, um, did you talk to family members uh, or high school counselors about college uh, and what that meant for you? Yeah. Um, you know, our college counselor, or I guess, would he be considered? Yeah, I guess he was like a counselor at the college or at the high school level for the school. He also um, pushed folks to apply for scholarships. And again, we're a small, small enough school where I think he, he could handle that. Um, it might look a little bit different at really large schools. Um, so I feel like but he, he also knew that the kids that were participating in Upward Bound they already had a leg up. So I felt like, um, you know, we got more attention from the upward bound program when it came to college, then um, he probably put his efforts to students that weren't participating in upward bound because they, they didn't get that same resource. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, family members, I definitely talked at, at that point, my brother was going to college. Um, so I could kind of ask him some questions. Um, and I had an older cousin that was also going to Adam State. So I felt like I had some other closer to my age uh, role models that I could mm-hmm. look up to and say, hey, like they can do it. And so can I. So um, that's really helpful when I think you can uh, see see people that you can be, if, if you may, like um, yeah. you can relate to them and kind of put them in, in your in, in their shoes. Absolutely. I think it's also important to note, right, that in some high schools and in some uh, schools, really, uh, not only in Colorado, but in other states, that uh, high school counselors typically feel overwhelmed and they can't meet with everybody. And when you try to talk to them about college, this was my experience and not to put my high school counselor in blast or anything. It's just it was very difficult to get everybody and talk to everybody about college. And for me, it was my high school, uh, my trio bound director that really got me into the, the idea of college. So I'm I'm just like kind of relating to like yeah that that is yeah. difficult for a lot of counselors to talk about. I think for my 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 family it was uh, difficult to talking about college because they'd never done it before. So it was really relying on the uh, trio programs to guide, help guide that conversation. Definitely. So when you graduated from high school, what was that moment like for you? Um, I felt like I was excited. Um, so I was valedictorian of my class, which was, you know, an honor. And so I got to say the speech at the graduation, which was fun. And again, our class was so small um, that you really knew everybody in your class. And um, I felt like at that point in my life, I was trying to be um, motivating to, to other people. Um, but I was just really excited to start a new life to um, get out of the small community. And again, like Pueblo isn't that big, but for, for me, it felt like a big city compared to, to right. the town that I'm from. So I think there was just a lot of excitement and new. And um, I think I was probably nervous because you're always nervous about things that you've never done before. Um, but I think my excitement kind of overtook took the insecurity issues. And um, yeah, I was just thrilled. And, and I felt really um, fortunate 
to be able to go. Awesome. So you shared that ultimately you decided CSU Pueblo was the college for you. Uh, were there any other factors that uh, factored into your decision into going to CSU Pueblo? Yeah, I feel like it was mainly the location, um, the fact that it wasn't too big, the fact that it was close by enough to where, you know, if I needed to drive home, I could, it's an hour and a half away. Um, yeah, it just seemed reasonable. And, and I think with my financial aid package and scholarships, um, for the most part, it was almost covered. And so um, it felt like it was financially a good fit too. Right on. So once you graduated, once you knew what college you wanted to go to, uh, talk to us about that transition to college because it was the summer right before. Uh, yeah. and, and for a lot of trio, pro- trio upper bound programs, they have this bridge program. And then you go right into move-in day. Talk to us about that experience. Yeah, so there was no bridge program. I feel like once we went to college, it was really just them referring me to student support services. So maybe that was my my bridge. Um, but, you know, at that point, my my grandparents are already in their 80s, mid 80s. So it's not like I was going to ask them, can you help me move to, to Pueblo? And my dad mm-hmm. was um, unable to help. So I packed up my car and um, was excited <laughs> with the little things that I have to, to get there on campus and move in. And again, I had the support of my best friend who she had a really supportive family. And, you know, so we got hooked up with the fridge and the microwave and on her end where I didn't have to worry too much about that. Um, right, awesome. But yeah, I feel like having a little community, her, and there was also some other um, students that were from the San Luis Valley that I knew from Upward Bound um, really helped because those were, um, that was my community. And, and we were kind of going through it together. And I think we helped support each other through through different challenges that we faced along the way. Um, So, and then student support services really helped because, you know, SSS, if I didn't have them, I probably wouldn't have been taking the right classes. They look at your degree plan, they sit you down. Um, So I really felt like, oh, I knew what I was doing because I had this extra support and, you know, mm-hmm. talking to students that maybe weren't in that program and maybe were first generation or came from similar communities as mine, sometimes they'd be signing up for the wrong classes or not enough or didn't really understand some of the tricks of the trade, like withdrawal dates and things of that nature. So I feel like student support services really just um, made me aware of, of all the things that I needed to, to do to be successful at college. Fantastic. In one word or phrase, how would your friends describe you? Um, I think they would describe me as loyal. loyal. Um, yeah, I would say loyal is probably what they lead. Energetic. Um, I think people would say that I'm a doer. Um, I, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Um, and you know, sometimes doers can can it can be a fault too because you don't let other people do. <laughs> You know, and so you maybe help too much. Um, So I'm learning that along the way about not enabling people um, and letting people also um, take the reins on things. So, um, but yeah, I would say, and a go-getter. I feel like I'm, I think that lifelong learning piece has stuck with me. And so, um, you know, sometimes I have a problem with um, what's next. Like, and I feel like if my mom would talk to me, she'd say like, you just need to calm down. (laughs) and enjoy the moment that you're in and what you're doing and not always think about um, what's next. And so hopefully, I mean, I don't know that I ever want to take away that what's next um, idea, uh, but maybe, you know, as I get older, it'll slow down a little bit. 
Right. Uh, thank you again, uh, Lauren, for sharing that. So I'm going to go off a little, a little, just a little bit sure. off script here. Uh, if you could title this episode of your podcast for Let's Talk Trio, what what's the one word you would use to describe it? Um, describe yourself or to describe the episode. The episode. Um, gee, that one's hard. Oh, no, I sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot one. like that. <laughs> <laughs> My creativity has gone down the drain. <laughs> I would say creative. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> creative. Yes. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, talk to us about your college experience and please feel free to expand on this one. So talk to us about your college experience. What was that like? Yeah, I think, um, again, I had started off with friends that I knew that we became a community in a place that wasn't ours. And so that was really important. And I feel like Upward Bound and the fact that I got to work for the Upward Bound program there was really cool because I felt like I was giving back to people like myself. And I was that student, you know, just a couple years prior. Um, so that was um, really exciting. But I will say because um, I don't, I, I feel like I should have maybe involved myself outside of my circle a little bit more and gotten like involved in maybe some of the college um, community efforts there. Um, but I feel like I was kind of stuck in my own little world where I didn't mm-hmm. open up. And then, you know, once I became pregnant with my daughter, that really changed because then I was the pregnant girl on campus. Um, so I definitely didn't fit in into some situations, you know, like typical college um, situations. And that, and that really changed um, my perspective on a lot of things. But again, Upward Bound and Student Support Services like, you know, there was judgment that came along from being a young mother that was not married um, mm-hmm. in college. And I felt like they never made me feel like that. And they always made me feel like it didn't really matter that I was going to have a baby. Like it didn't change the fact that I was in college and I can complete. Um, and so I feel like that really helped. The other thing was, is that, you know, at the time, because my dad was incarcerated, my financial situation I had to work and I worked three different jobs. I was the admin assistant at Upward Bound. I tutored on the side. And then I was also a waitress at a steakhouse um, in Pueblo too. So I was like really busy. And then when you become pregnant, you realize like, oh my gosh, you only have the nine months to hurry. (laughs) (laughs) And do all these things before an actual baby, like you have to take care of a baby. So, um, you know, once my daughter came uh, juggling the art of juggling became even more important because I was still in school, mm-hmm. still had to figure out how to work um, and complete. And I think if anything, she just pushed me to like get serious and get this degree because um, it was just too many things to juggle. And at that point, you know, you got to start thinking about your earning potential and what kind of job you're going to get. So um, yeah, I feel like my, maybe my college experience was different in the sense because I was a young mother there. Um, it probably wasn't as uh, typical as, you know, other college students, but it's interesting because I see a lot of parents that are uh, college students now. So I think it's becoming more of a norm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that hopefully I know upward bound and student support services provided me resources, but I'm hopeful that on campuses, there's other resources for um, parents that are going through college because their needs are a little bit different than a traditional student. Absolutely. I think your your experience and my experience uh, overlap a little bit. So I also had a child in, in college, uh, my ex-wife. Uh, we had uh, my son, uh, my oldest son, 
and we were both in college. And how difficult, right? Uh, not knowing uh, where the support would come from. Of course, my our families rallied around us, but it was Upward Bound and Student Support Services that also rallied around us as well. That's so awesome. I was just wanted to share that with you because yeah, thanks for sharing. That's that's amazing. That just goes to show what great. Um, programs they are and absolutely non-judgmental programs as well. absolutely absolutely because right you don't really hear okay. a lot about parents going to a traditional four-year experience it's as soon as a child is born or brought into this world it's like you gotta abandon parts of that to focus yeah. on the family and really put the fire underneath you to get the degree done yeah and what's interesting now is you know i have a daughter my daughter the same daughter i'm talking about she is in college at msu denver oh, wow. And she's going to have a baby. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. She's Congratulations. my life. Thank you. Um, so she's really reliving my situation 20 years later. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that what's cool now is back in our day, you know, online wasn't a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we didn't have so many resources available to us like laptops and the internet. And so now it's such a common thing that I'm really happy for she's continuing to go um, she's committed to finishing. And I think that there's some more tools out there that are available to her that hopefully will help make her, her journey and her ability to navigate higher ed a little bit easier because the world we live in now, 20 years later. Absolutely. Did you know what program you wanted to study when you set foot on campus? Um, so I, I, I don't know where I got this idea that I wanted to be, um, a physician's assistant for like medical pre-med until I had to take some really hard science classes um, and then realized maybe this isn't like the path for me if I'm really struggling in some of these classes. Um, And so I re, I think student support services actually really helped me figure out like what would else be a good option. And so that's when um, I chose business because, you know, to me, business felt broad enough and versatile enough to, to offer different, um, you know, potential careers. And mm-hmm. so I just went with it and I did, um, business administration and, you know, it, it served, it served me well. I feel like I learned a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think pre-med would have been, I, I don't know why I was thinking that I don't have, I have a hard time with blood anyway. And, <laughs> you know, things like that. So I don't know where that came into my mind that I wanted to be, but, um, business seemed to be better fitting. So, um, did you have to change your major a lot during college? Like, um, you said you went from one program to another, were were there other programs in between? No, I think, um, I caught that on pretty early and, you know, thank goodness for, um, you know, your prereq classes, right? Because you kind of have to take a couple of different ones and different areas. And I think the whole purpose is so that you can figure out like, what are you interested in? What kind of draws your attention? Um, So yeah, those early on science classes that made me realize like, this is probably not a good fit. Um, And some very like general introduction to business classes made me realize that that seems like a better fit. Um, So I only really had to change it once. That that helped in the sense, like I didn't lose out on um, credits or didn't make me um, it didn't, it didn't make me fall behind that where I spent efforts in one program versus another. Very cool. Very cool. Um, did you get involved in student activities while in college? Now you said student support services was one of them, but were there others? Yeah, I would say just student support services. And then of course the high school upward bound program there. But, um, I think the, the fact that I had to work 
multiple jobs, you know, I didn't, my time was limited. And so, um, sometimes you just, you have to sacrifice one thing for the other. And, um, so yeah, looking back, if I could have participated in more, I, I would have, and I would encourage others to, it just wasn't my, my hand that I was dealt. As you approach your senior year in college, what were some directions you were thinking for your career? Um, so at that point, you know, I was ready to have a baby. (laughs) Um, and so I think I was really trying to just figure out what I could do with, um, my business degree. So I looked at different options, you know, you think about like office work and, um, like where I could go with it, but ultimately uh, I ended up using my network. So I had an aunt that worked in state government in Denver. Um, she was already retired, but she knew some woman. I met her for lunch and that person knew someone else and mm-hmm. on and on and on. And I ended up applying for a position at the state Capitol as um, a staffer for a committee of reference for the nonpartisan research staff of the general assembly. So, um, I mean, I'd like to think I earned the position during my interview and things of that nature, but it was my network that helped me get that's amazing. You know, a, yeah. A seat at the table to even interview. Um, so I was hired probably a month after I graduated high school, I'm in high school, after I graduated college, um, a month later, I um, started my position at the state capitol. And wow. it was such a great position because, you know, coming from a small town again, maybe I wasn't paying attention in government class, but there were a lot of things that just, I was so green and naive about when it came to the legislative process and politics. And so I really got my head around you know, how policies are made in the state of Colorado and the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I stayed there for, for quite a while. Um, yeah. And then after that, I really had this desire to be Kirk. I just kept that kept nagging at me. That kept coming and back. So, <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to like work with students. And so, um, you know, in my position at the Capitol, it was definitely not working with students. It was working with legislators. Right. Some of them are amazing people. And again, I learned a lot, um, but I ended up um, getting a job with Colorado Gear Up. Um, and so that was a, a, a nice transition because I think the aspect of working with students was just so rewarding. Um, and I, again, I felt like I was like doing, giving back in a sense and in, in helping others do what I accomplished um, just like Kirk helped me accomplish those things as well. So uh, maybe I wasn't exactly Kirk, an upward bound counselor, but I like to think I got close to uh, checking the box as far as a position similar to his. And I said, okay, I, I met that goal. Um, and I stayed in that position for a couple of years. And my job really there was to recruit students in eighth grade uh, at Adam City Middle School and Kearney Middle School. And then I became their um, gear up counselor and followed them into high school. So once they got to high school, I had an office at their um, high school and we did curriculum. And, you know, each month we had a different theme about college access and really working with uh, those students and helping them get into college. Um, And then I was offered a position helping some of the same efforts, um, but as a college counselor at MSU Denver. So it was Mm -hmm. serving Europe students, um, DSF Denver Scholarship Foundation students and uh, Daniel's Fund students. So we bas- wow. I basically was a um, college advisor for them. And what was really cool about it is I didn't work for Metro. 
I worked for Clardo Challenge, which was part of Clardo Gear Up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were kind of a third party at the institution and there were um, four counselors and we all had a caseload, Um, but we get, we got to help them navigate. Um, And some of those same students that I helped at the college level were my students in the gear up program, which was really cool to see them uh, get into college and thrive at the college level too. And then eventually I became the um, supervisor there um, overseeing the, the college counselors work. Um, and, and still had a caseload of my own. And it was really rewarding. Um, and it, it felt like I was doing, uh, you know, something that was meaningful to me in, in helping students obtain their higher education dreams. Right on. So in between all that, you decided to pursue a master's degree as well. Uh, what inspired you to pursue a post undergrad degree? And also, that's a lot more work, isn't it? Yes, it was a lot of work. Um, part of the reason I decided to go back for my master's degree is because I started seeing that my ability to earn more was limited with just my bachelor's degree. Um, So I was looking at like different positions at the college I was at. A lot of them required master's degrees, Um, you know, and even if the salary was just a little bit more for a master's degree, it was a a real, it it was obvious that without that master's degree, I wasn't, I was going to limit myself as far as my earning potential. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, at that time I had two kids in, um, in school and, you know, it's like costs living in the city is not cheap. And um, so obviously I was trying to watch out for my family too. Um, But I was able to go to college um, for my master's degree at CSU global. So I was able to do it online. You know, I worked full time, had my kids married, um, and was able to do it online. And I really think that if I wasn't able to do it online, it would have been a, a lot more challenging. And it really spoke to, again, it's another tool for, um, parents, you know, parents that are trying to get higher education. So I was able to use that tool, um, and get my master's degree, which then really positioned me to get a different kind of job. Um, so I did that, but then I, I was, um, I landed a job at Education Commission of the States, which is a national policy organization. And in that position, if I didn't have my master's degree, I wouldn't have been able to get the position. So, wow. um, you know, I, I got to work on policy issues across the nation, education issues. Um, and that was a really fun and rewarding job as well. And I learned a lot about education policy and writing briefs and research papers and things of that nature. Awesome. So reflecting on your journey so far, um, what sort of mentors uh, and folks, are there folks that you would like to acknowledge on the podcast that really provided this support along the way? Well, definitely my mom, because I feel like she is one of those, um, I, I she was just such an inspiring mother. I saw her overcome so many things and I feel like she used her education to to help her overcome some of the the bad situations that she was in. Um, so definitely her. And I feel like no matter what she tells me, you can do it. Like, it doesn't matter what's in front of me. She's, she's that pushing force. Um, again, I would say my husband, because we had similar experiences with higher ed and we had kids in college and we really pushed each other to, to, um, continue to go. And even if we had setbacks, it was like, you're going to get on that saddle and, and, and keep going and we're going to finish. And so, he definitely has been so supportive um, through my journey. And then Kirk, again, he keeps coming up. I feel like I should try to find Kirk one of these days and thank him for, <laughs> for all that he did to, to push me and um, challenge me and 
make sure that, you know, I was set up to, to enter college. Um, um, but my roommate right now, um, she was my best friend and we, we went through so much together and, you know, unfortunately my senior year, um, she passed away. She had brain cancer. Oh, so So, yeah. And she was able to finish her degree. She got sick. Um, but she finished it at Adam state. She went back to Adam state and, uh, finished there, but she was so inspiring. And I just think about, you know, I think about the folks that said, why are you going to go to CST Pueblo? You should go to a fancy college bigger, like you can get in. And, um, but I look back and I wouldn't have picked another college, um, partly because of her, because, um, I got to experience so much with her and there was a, that season of my life. She, she was such a driving force and an influence that, um, I wouldn't want to have not experienced that with her. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing Lauren. Um, so your journey obviously hasn't ended. You are now the director of programs for prosperity Denver fund. Can you talk to us about that and what that means? Yeah. So prosperity Denver fund is, um, a sales tax initiative that was passed by the Denver voters in 2018. And it basically puts um, sales tax money into a fund and myself and my CEO are the staff there. And we are responsible for distributing that fund to eligible nonprofit organizations that serve Denver resident students with scholarships and support services to get through higher education. So right now we have about 50 nonprofit organizations in our network. Um, and, you know, our job, our mission, our goal is to get funding into their hands so that they can help more students go to college. The whole idea is that it becomes, you know, Denver becomes more prosperous because of it. Um, awesome. And yeah, it's like homegrown talent. Uh, and, you know, we're in existence until 2030. So there's a lot of time. There's money on the table that um, we can reimburse to organizations. And so part of my job really is to recruit those organizations. So if there's a nonprofit out there that serves Denver resident students and you give out scholarships, um, please get in touch with me because we can probably reimburse some of that funding to you. And the whole idea is that you take what you get reimbursed and you impact more students. You provide more scholarships and more support to get those students through college to get their, um, their degree Um, and yeah, I've learned a lot. We would work closely with our board of directors. There's a board we're overseen by the office of children's affairs at, um, the city of Denver. Um, so it's kind of exposed me to a lot more like nonprofit management in a sense. Um, and even though I'm not working directly with the students, I'm working with the organizations that work with the students. And I just feel so honored. I've met so many cool, people, so many neat organizations. And the reality is, is that so many of our missions are all focused on the same thing. And it's getting students to and through college. Um, It's something that I'm totally passionate about. Um, I think that it'll be like a lifelong passion of mine. Um, And I'll definitely continue to advocate for for higher ed for for students because, again, it's life-changing. So you mentioned that uh, nonprofit organizations can get a hold of you to uh, see about some funding. Uh, could we get to, at the end of the podcast? Of course, uh, I'll include your information on the podcast description. That way, uh, people sure. can get a hold of you. That's great. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, what is some advice that you have for trio or gear up students listening to this podcast? Well, I would say that um, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, I feel like for 
there's a stage. And again, it's back to, I, I think I can relate because, you know, I have a senior in high school right now. My son's a senior. So I see his circle and I see his thoughts and what he's, you know, maybe TikTok or whoever they get their news. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of messaging out there that says, you know, you don't necessarily have to call, go to college. And that is a true statement, but your college education is something that you, nobody can ever take away from you. Like it can, maybe I, I feel like some people will say to me, well, you know, so-and-so went to college and they're not using their degree. They didn't get a job. Um, but the fact is the experiences that person went through to get that college degree probably really shaped them. Mm-hmm. And that piece of paper, again, it's not, it's something that you can never, it, you can never get it taken away. Um, mm-hmm. And a person should be proud. Um, I also feel like, you know, you're earning potential. You have more options. So if you're trying to set yourself up for the future and you're, uh, you know, a trio participant right now questioning whether you should continue, um, if you think about yourself in 20 years from now and say, what kind of options will I have in 20 years with that college degree, you will have so many more options. And so um, that's what I would tell um, students, just do it and get through. Awesome. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and turn the tables on you a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, Lauren. Um, What do you see yourself doing in five to 10 years? That's a great question. I feel like everyone asks that question. Um, it's like the like the hot seat question, right? It People is, like right? Get it in interviews, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm really trying to figure that out because I'm approaching a new stage in my life where, you know, I will be an empty nester. I'm going to be a grandma next month. Um, so I'm really trying to figure out what it is that, you know, Lauren wants to do. But I know that it's going to be related to higher ed and education. Um, The one missing thing that I'm trying to bridge the gap really hard is that, um, you know, I live in the city, but my roots are still in the Valley. And I want to find some kind of position where I can help the people that I come from and the community that I come from. Um, So whether I'm not sure exactly what that looks like yet, that doesn't mean that I want to move back to the Valley quite yet. Cause um, obviously I've, built some roots and established some, you know, I think, I don't think my kids are leaving this area anytime soon, but I want to have a, I want to find an opportunity where I'm able to do both to live in the city. Maybe it's part-time in the Valley. um, But I want to help my community because I feel like in all of my experiences through college, through my career, I've been faced so many times with the challenges. They're different kinds of challenges that they're facing in the Valley than they're facing here. Um, and so I, I hope that I could be like a bridge to that gap of knowledge um, for whether it be policymakers or for institutions um, serving those students. So uh, something along those lines, I haven't, that's, that's what comes top of mind, but I feel like um, I'm still, I feel like I'm always still trying to figure it out. What am I going to do in five to 10 years? (laughs) Well, thank you again for sharing. And and thank you for reflecting with us. Uh, What's some advice that you have for trio or gear up staff? I would say that your work is amazing and to continue um, motivating others. I think that oftentimes maybe those people in those positions don't realize that Um, you might be the one person that can change a person's perspective and therefore change their life and their ability to grow. Um, You know, we, we are only, when we grow up and we're in the mindset of a high school student and even early college, you, you're so um, driven by the influence that you've always had, you know, typically your family 
And sometimes our families didn't get the opportunity to experience what others have experienced. And so sometimes those trio advisors are that one person that can open up a student's mind to some something else, something beyond mm-hmm. what their mm-hmm. family did. Um, and and I just feel like uh, they probably don't realize. I, I look back and I think about some of the students I worked with and how rewarding that work is. And it's hard work too, uh, not to mention, because you, your time is limited and you have a lot of students. Um, lot, oftentimes caseloads are too, too high. Um, but I, I think that um, so many students are impacted by programs like TRIO programs and um, the people running those programs, um, they're just great. And I, I, f- I feel like they're, they're the, the key to opening up a student's mind to, to opportunities. Right on. If you could do this life all over again, what would you change? You know, I don't think I would change anything. <laughs> I know probably a lot of people say that, but um, I really, like, I'm a firm believer, believer and I try to follow my faith. Um, and I really do believe that like things happen for a reason, even the bad things. Um, and sometimes they force you to get into, you know, different positions, faced with different people, faced with different networks. And all of those things um, help contribute to where you are going to end up being. Um, and so even with the adversity and challenges I faced of being, you know, a college mother, um, you know, all of those things being maybe a fish out of water in a big city from a little town, um, those things have just made me stronger and um, more aware and wiser. Um, and so hopefully all those things can help me motivate others um, and help them also achieve achieve their goals, knowing that it doesn't really matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your situation. If you put enough hard work into something, you can accomplish it. Awesome. So we're going to kind of put you back on the hot seat a little bit. Are there any current TV books or movies you recommend for the audience? That's a good question. I sat on this one for a minute thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like um, I've been really into documentaries lately. You know, documentaries. Some, maybe, awesome. yeah, some can be a little... Uh, scary oh, definitely. <laughs> or disturbing. Um, <laughs> definitely. But I recently watched um, I Am Vanessa Guillen and it's oh, about an yeah. army. It's a woman from uh, the military uh, Pride, that right? went missing. Yeah. So that's a really good one. So I'd recommend that one. Um, I'm trying to think other things. Like I feel like I, I just watch a whole random, like if somebody suggests a book, I'll try to read it. I will admit that I'm not, um, I'm not as good as, or maybe committed to reading as I should be and might start a book and not finish it. So that's something I need to work on. Um, but you know, as far as movies go, I know you asked for current, but, um, I would say my all time favorite movie is came out in the eighties. It's La Bamba about oh, nice. Chicano rock and roll star, Richie Valens <laughs> and good his story. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that one. And I don't know if it's where, because where I'm come from, um, watching that kid, that movie as like a five and six year old or however old was old when it came out. Like I could relate to so many people in, in the characters in the story. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those movies I can watch like a hundred times and still enjoy it. <laughs> right on Lauren. It was a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Uh, it was such an amazing way to hear your story, hear where you come from and all the things, all the great things that you've done. Uh, I hope to have you on the podcast soon. Yes, thank you. I appreciate um, the time. This has been fun. And I'm excited to listen to your additional podcasts. Thank you so much. So we have a tradition here at the Let's Talk Trio podcast where we have our guests sign off. Uh, Can you do the honors? 
Definitely. Hi, this is Lauren Cisneros, Director of Programs at Prosperity Denver Fund, Trio Works. Lauren, that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a TRIO program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk TRIO. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk TRIO. We want to get your story to the public. Again, a great interview with Lauren Cisneros, who is the director of the Prosperity Denver Fund. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the Let's Talk Trio podcast. And we are definitely open to you being on the podcast again. Uh, You shared a wonderful uh, experience and uh, really highlighted uh, your journey and everything that... uh, that you've been able to go through, endure, and the support that you found in TRIO. So again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You too can be on the Let's Talk TRIO podcast. Send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is l-e-t-s-t-a-l-k-t-r-i-o at gmail.com. I'd like to take this moment to thank our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, and Jaded Software. Uh, along with student access. Thank you all so much for continuing to support this podcast. You too can sponsor the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Head on over to Patreon. Search for Let's Talk Trio. Our basic membership level starts at a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you are a business and would like to advertise on this podcast, head on over to Patreon. Scroll all the way down to our corporate membership level. For $100 a month, we will put your ad on this podcast. So uh, as many episodes that we publish for that month, we will include your ad in this podcast. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Scott Kendall, Tony Ho, Roderick Chambers, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, music production, post-production, editor, and audio engineer. Amelia Castaneda, marketing manager, social media manager, script supervisor, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This podcast episode was recorded Monday, November 28th, 2022. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.